Welcome to another episode of the ADH Dads. I'm your host, JJ. And I'm CJ. Hey, buddy. What do you think we're going to talk about today? What do we need to get off our chests? <laughs> oh, I don't know about how your uh, summer's been going, but there's a, a lot of emotions flying around in our house with five of us being home all the time. Uh, so, yeah. Emotions, Ooh. man. Sounds like a pretty good topic to me. Oh, <laughs> Just here, I don't know if you could hear that, but I was letting out some breath, giving myself a second before I get into talking about how I also feel about summer and visiting family and the energy that goes through all that and the emotions that, <laughs> of course, spring up, the good, the bad, all the things. And neurodivergent kid coming to a house with a bunch of personalities, some young ones, some older ones, and all of them wanting the opportunity to speak all at the same time. My kiddo, his energy, of course, is spiking at any moment. And uh, therefore, the emotions will definitely go from high, high to low, low to massive output. So yeah, emotions are a good place to talk about for sure. And I think one thing, you know, is, is emotional security. We should really dive into that. What does emotional security mean for us in our relationships? And dare I suggest, uh, even more important to the next generation? How do we create that safe space for our kids emotionally? And if we're creating that emotional safe space for them, do they know that they have an emotional safe space? And do they believe it? I think that's a tough thing is I don't know if I could say ever with 100% confidence that I've created an emotional safe space opportunity for my kiddo as much as I'd like to say I work really well on myself and uh, my empathy and my validation with my kiddo. I think it's always a challenge. And of course, there's always, you know, a new situation that presents itself. So hmm. I am excited to talk about this topic with you. I think we're going to go through a lot of good stuff and I'm sure there'll be some great takeaways. Yeah, man, I'm excited to talk about it with you because, you know, we've got a lot going on here around this topic as well. Um, you know, it's been we've been talking the last the last few weeks about uh, all the big life transitionings that are are happening in our household. And, um, you know, so everybody's home and, you know, we're trying to figure out summer and we've implemented some of the, the strategies that we've talked about. But, you know, with everybody being here all the time, all at once, everybody's got high emotions during this time with all of this big life stuff going on. And, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to navigate, you know, um, you know, what you're, I like what we're talking about here today with that space of emotional security and space, you know, because it's, we, we allow that. And I'm interested to hear your, uh, take on it with, with one kiddo where we have three here and everybody's, uh, uh, combating for their emotional space <laughs> and they're throwing their hats into the ring and, and trying to draw their boundaries of what emotional space looks like. And sometimes that can overlap, right. And, or maybe encroach upon one kid's, uh, emotional safety space. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear the things that you say and, and how it comes into play with, uh, the dynamic of three kiddos that are trying to kind of battle that out and claim that and, and express themselves and, and what that looks like. Cause, cause I can tell you can get kind of, kind of hairy, JJ, when there's five, <laughs> five emotions flying around and, and you're trying to get everybody the space to express it, you know, sometimes you can feel a little encroached upon yourself and your emotional needs. Uh, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm interested to talk about some strategies with you and, and what we kind of think are, are the, uh, the, the healthy and unhealthy dynamics in, in, revol in revolving to this, uh, in regards to this, 
my goodness, if my <laughs> wife was only here next to me today. <laughs> but yeah, man, well, what's she- been going on in your world? Because like I said, we've been, we implemented mm-hmm. some of those strategies here. We got our, our schedule up on the chalkboard and we've made some, you know, serenity jars for our calm corners. And, you know, we've put all this stuff into place here to try to help the kids out uh, with what's going on. And, and we are day mm-hmm. seven into a 28 day no yell challenge. Um, so we're experimenting this with our family right now and in thinking about do, new daily tasks every day as far as like what boundaries look like and safe words. And, and uh, we're even making a game out of this and every day uh, you know, that we go, whoever yells gets a tally. Uh, and at the, <laughs> at the end of this 28 days, those, the, the person with the least amount of tallies uh, wins, a, wins a special prize. So, you know, it's just something that we're doing uh, daily, trying to be really intentional and present about um, where our emotions are on the scale and, you know, what uh, someone is making us feel and, and how to address it and communicate without the volume of our voice. So it's been mm-hmm. interesting, man. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm winning right now, I have two <laughs> <tallies>. I just... <laughs> but uh, it's been rough, man. I'm, I'm close. I'm, I'm on a fast hurdle to my, my third oh, one today. Man. It's been a rough day today. <laughs> so it, it, where, where are you, you know, at? It, it can be incredibly tough, buddy. And you know, we don't have like, I have this mute button so I can soon as I hit that mute button, I can yell all I want and I can, I can, you know, get the prize because I've got a mute button, but in real life, no, we're not, we're not working with mute buttons and stuff. So, but that's, the, I mean, that's kind of a good reminder for us. Like when we're on mute, nobody can hear us talk or yell or breathe. And what do we need? We need that time and space a lot, you know, through most of those situations. And of course, like you said, you know, you've got the kids, in the room and they're all combating, you know, with uh, vying for something. Uh, I experienced that this last week as well. But then, of course, the adults, if they're not in an emotionally secure place with themselves, how are they going to then handle those situations? So, of course, we got to dial it back and kind of ask ourselves first. And that big thing is that pause and that breathing. And and when we don't (laughs) when we don't give ourselves that space because we suggest we need to problem solve in the moment, usually that problem solving is problem, you know, amplifying and escalation and stuff because we haven't gotten to that place of emotional security. And it's, it's not that difficult to, to kind of sit back and say, okay, I have the power here to control my emotions and control how I respond. But too often we get that, you know, that fight or flight uh, going on in our, and our amygdala and everything is just kind of acting up. And then we just, unfortunately, we, we, we run with that. And and instead of trying to uh, calm the wind, we, uh, <laughs> we let it blow us and take us into, you know, face first into the wall. And next thing you know, there's a massive accident that everybody's trying to clean up. So yeah, last week I had kiddo with his two cousins that he adores. And man, I've seen some of the biggest smiles come from my kiddo's face when he's uh, with his cousins. But he also does have to compete for various, uh, you know, time and and uh, resources and, and uh, toys and stuff with them present. And that's hard for him because he is a single boy otherwise. And so I guess what that just is a reminder to us is, is we need to create with us the tools um, and the skills to uh, to navigate around the triggers that will pop up at any moment with our kids. Because, my God, they're going to pop up. We know it. We know it. That's the thing. We know it. And for some reason, we don't create a game plan sometimes to to uh, to handle it. But, you know, 
all that aside, I guess uh, what I could say is, you know, I, I do have single kiddo most of the time. And so therefore, the uh, the ability to handle my triggers should be that much easier because he's not in a, you know, a peer pressure situation. He's not fighting, you know, some sort of a sibling rivalry taking place. If anything, he's just uh, he's just being a little bit irate. And uh, man, I should be able to handle that. So a uh, long witted answer to what you were saying. Um, there's there's much for me to learn and to work with that uh, that I think we can talk about today to help bring our you know bring our best selves to our kiddos and then for them to feel confident and safe with us. So, yeah. Well, what before we get started in talking about this, what does emotional security mean to you? Like, what mm. what what does that look like? You know, the simple answer I can say is it's it's built it's a it's relationship building. Um, it starts from there. Uh, as soon as I can tell myself, um, I can't necessarily trust this person uh, with what I have to say, then I realize that some emotional security has been lost. Um, so it, it often is is built and destroyed on response. Um, so, so the big things that I kind of focus on are, you know, are we rejecting or dismissing feelings? Are we validating and empathizing? Um, are we suggesting, hey, it's okay to make mistakes? Um, are we open-minded? You know, so we're not, once something gets uncomfortable, are we allowing ourselves to kind of further explore that or are we shutting ourselves off because now, now it's just beyond our, uh, our comfort zone? Um, and then are we being supportive and unconditional in our love? You know, we can be, we can be uh, dare I suggest, unconditional in our love, but not unconditional in our approval. So there's just all this different relationship building that takes place. And of course, going back to yourself, like if you're not self-aware, um, then you are kind of probably not bringing your safe self to the to the equation. And then, of course, man, a huge one that I really love for parents to kids is being able to share. So sharing in your own vulnerability and suggesting that this is a two-way street where I'm going to learn something from you, my kiddo, at whatever age you are, you're creating a safe place for them because they can trust you because you trust them. You know, instead of saying, well, I'm the adult, you need to listen to me uh, because I said so, that's shutting down one way and creating a one-way street only. And that's not going to result in a smooth relationship. That's going to result in one person be feeling that they don't have the right to talk to you because, uh, or about whatever it is, because you are not going to accept it. And that's a scary place to be as a kid who I look up at my, you know, at my parents, they're my protector. Well, maybe they're not my protector because I have these feelings and they're being rejected. So there's a lot of stuff to kind of unpack there, but that ultimately that, that answer is, is, you know, when I don't have that trust, anymore or that trust is frayed then emotional security is most likely frayed yeah i think it's a, a big two-way street you know um to the to the responder and to the emotional giver you know um often when we hear somebody unload on us you know it's often how we respond that creates the emotional safety for them you know and they either feel oh i can tell this person anything and feel safe in my emotions or you know I don't and they are telling me I shouldn't feel this or I, you know, or I should feel this way instead or I should do this or I should do that or I should handle it this way or they get mad at my emotions because of the the level at which I'm giving them, you know, and, and I think that 
it's a really tricky like dance for us as parents to go into this topic with our kids because we don't want to create a situation that's like your emotions are bad, right? Like whatever you're feeling is bad or you shouldn't feel it. But we also don't want to create a, a dynamic that's like you get to just go in there and scream and break things and make a mess of it just to get your feelings out, right? Like we have to have this really delicate communication with our kids of like, you know, it's okay to feel what you're feeling, but maybe there's another way to, to handle it, to display it, to communicate it to use your emotions to get what you need or what you want out of a interaction relationship of a person of a communication and you know so that's the really tricky part you know is how do we like teach our kids that your emotions aren't good or bad they're just kind of there to help guide us and then we have to be the ones that are intelligent enough and patient enough to pause and take that emotional information and put it through a descrambler you know to present to the outside world that is in a you know proper etiquette and in a way that could be heard responded to loved and accepted and met with patience and grace right mm. Yeah. And, you know, the brilliant thing, like you just said there, too, is is part of the descrambling is just simply being able to listen and be curious. Uh, you know, even though our kids are kids, we don't want to discount the fact that they are human beings. So you said, you know, the anger piece, you know, it's it's OK. It is a thing. You know, you are feeling that. Um, how do you respond to that? You know, that's a that's a conversation you continue to have. Like if they <laughs> I had a conversation with my kiddo one time recently and and I said, you know, well, um, do you think it would be OK if when your friend is mad at you in this situation for them to hit you? And his surprising answer was yes. And I was like, oh, right. Well, I wasn't expecting this turn, but let's unpack <laughs> that further. So then I have to ask additional questions to get to the heart of the matter and to also get to the understanding that he is working through in his brain. Because, you know, I think if we were to actually play out the scenario in real time and he'd say, they hit me and I'm pissed and now I'm going to hit them. He'd start to, un, you know, unpack everything and say, well, this doesn't seem like the the outcome that I would prefer. I would be hurt. They would be hurt. And it's it's that patience piece that I talked about earlier then, too, is it, the opportunity to breathe and take a moment to really talk about it and and just think about it and and uh, and reflect. That's something that we don't give ourselves enough. Because, you know, just like out in traffic, you know, we suggest, oh, we need to we need to get around this car. We need to get around this car. We need to get there as fast as possible. And we're impatient with everybody around us. Uh, if we kind of just sat back and thought, well, I don't think saving those two seconds is going to be, you know, uh, vital to my day. Um, perhaps it's it's OK. And, you know, I mean, everybody's situation is a little different, but I got to be honest, I think sometimes we just suggest to ourselves, we put the story in our heads of anxiety that we got to get through the situation as fast as possible. And therefore, we end up vomiting all over our kids and we yeah. create a larger mess. Um, and I wanted to say, too, like I'll probably say this at the end and I know we'll, we'll reflect back on the conversation, too, but I really believe wholeheartedly in the idea of. It, there's never a point where you can't return and talk talk about something. You can go. You can still have a conversation. If things went really terribly, and the two of you feel like, or whoever you are in relationship with, whoever you had a breakdown with, you still have the opportunity to create a healing moment. 
Um, some things are bigger than others and it's harder to move past them. But if you don't create the opportunity to have a healing moment, you won't have a healing moment. So I would always encourage everybody and remind everybody that, you know, you're good inside. You're a good person who maybe had a really difficult moment and you can come back to that moment and talk about it and apologize and work with this person that you've had some sort of trust loss with to build it up again. Yeah. And I really like the, the point that you said too, you know, about, uh, you know, we often want to just move through this stuff as quickly as possible. And, you know, I've been talking about it for many past episodes here. You know, I think that each of these really hard moments and are really great opportunities to double down and, and learn something and really connect if you do it in the right way. But oftentimes we're so like distracted by all of the emotional buildup and output that's been going out, you know, during a conversation that you get too lost in the, you know, I want to, I want to feel this and I want to work through it. And there's something beautiful on the other side. You know, you're, you're too lost in the, this just feels too bad right now. And I, and I need to, to go into these feelings you know, and, and uh, you've, you've uh, echoed between private conversations between you and I about, um, you know, the idea of like when we have these emotional outbursts, it's, it's usually because we, you know, the person that is having the emotional outburst doesn't have, we've lost all of our resources and we don't have any more ideas on how to handle the situation. Mm. Or uh, mm. what was the, what was the requote that you quoted from somebody else? So, so they, you know, this, I heard it from uh, a really wise person, um, uh, not directly, but uh, the uh, the idea was if you've been triggered and you act out based on that trigger, it's because you've essentially uh, run out of the tools and skills that you had or could have in regulating your yourself and your state yeah. in that moment. And I, I, I do believe that's incredibly true. You know, when a parent um, or grandparent uh, yells at their at their you know kid or grandkid. Um, that's an indication that hey, I'm no longer in control of myself here, and I need you to help regulate me. Which of course, from a you know a kid's perspective, that's terrifying and that's scary and that's that's escalation to them. And yeah. uh, I you know I witnessed that recently, and and uh, there was fear, there was terror, there was running away and crying. Clearly, the yelling um, that I witnessed from this person uh, toward the kiddo was was not the uh, uh, the step to repair and um, and resolve. Instead, it was another point of possible trauma for one to try and escape from. I can't I can't express my frustrations and my anger around this person because they will actually try and make it even more of an out of control situation. Um, so I am, I'm not safe here. I mean, that's essentially what I witnessed and it was, it was sad. It was hard to watch. And I had the benefit of being able to talk to this kiddo and, uh, and even say, you know, and empathize and validate how they felt and say, you know, that was really scary. And the way, you know, that you were responded to was, was not okay. It was unsafe. And I understand why you ran away scared and cried. Um, while that might not have healed everything that needed to be healed, it did offer that I hear you, I see you um, opportunity for the two of us to make that connection and feel that emotional security as best as we could in that moment. Um, yeah. yeah, it was I tough. That, I think that when we yell, it it really, it, you boil it down to its most base level. It's, it really is about control. It's really about power. 
you know, it's, I don't feel powerful right now. So I want to make myself demonstrative big to overpower, mm -hmm. you know, to, to mm -hmm. feel like I'm heard, you know, and when we don't feel heard, we feel very powerless, you know, and when we feel misunderstood, um, you know, we, we feel powerless. And I think that we yell to try to get that back to, to mm -hmm. just feel heard, to be validated, to be understood and, and, and to feel important. And, uh, I think it's just the wrong answer because, you know, I, there's, I think that curiosity is a way more powerful tool to understand another person's emotions than overpowering them is, you know? Mm. And I think that we, we, we as parents have just run out of the tools in how to control a situation or how to get our kids to do what we need them to do or to listen to us the first time or, you know, and we have run out of the tools. So the yelling is that you better fix your behavior so that mm -hmm. I can get my emotions into check. And that's just really unfair on our kiddos who don't have this awareness or this knowledge or intellect that we're talking about right now, or, mm -hmm. you know, um, or just the emotional savvy to, to put words to what's going on in their head. You know, and we often disregard that and forget that when those emotions overtake us, you know, yeah. and I think that it's just um, can be traumatizing, you know, how we how we put our kids in that position sometimes. And, you know, I mean, the thing is, is when we see our kiddos acting up and uh, they're in disagreement with each other, you know, we we essentially are watching a train that could go to, a you know, to a derailment or, you know, just a wreck. Um, but we have the opportunity to create redirects, you know, there's more tracks out there. There's, there's a, there's a, a change in direction that we can take here. If we, if we allow ourselves just a little bit of time to kind of work through that before we jump in, if we jump in and we get on the same train, that's already going so dang fast and the curves coming up and we can't, we can't turn that together. You know, we're, we're, we're actually steering that into a, you know, to a, an accident. And that gets us, you know, to a worse place. And we know there's no, there, there's no, there's no point that I could think of where I, I jumped in and I yelled at the kids. And then it, it, that was, that was perfect. It, it couldn't end it any better. Like that, that reflection doesn't happen. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I mentioned a few things earlier and I, and one thing that I, I don't remember exactly your words, but it really, it really hit me there. Um, was the idea like, let's say, let's say your kid brings something of their feelings to you and, uh, and you as a parent, you, uh, you dismiss the feelings in a sense. Um, and maybe it's in, you know, it's a good intention where you're hoping to make your child more resilient by saying, you know, don't let it get to you. But what happens there? Our child, you know, they'll feel like there's no safe place for support. Uh, their trust is lost. Um, their anxiety can be developed in like in relationships to come because, you know, I brought this to this person and it was kind of dismissed and rejected. Apparently there's something wrong with me. So the intention could be good um, where, you know, the parent is saying they um, they believe their child will persevere through this. But instead, it teaches the child to not trust his or her feelings. And it can result in a loss of self-esteem as well as like judgment of their own thoughts and feelings. So that's something that, that when you mentioned that, I was like, oh, man, you know, I've 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 been a part of this exchange on the receiving end of, you know, after expressing my feelings and, you know, starting to question not only this relationship, do I have trust and safety here, but do I have trust and safety with myself? It's a very, 
very hurtful thing that we sometimes do unintentionally when we try and dismiss those feelings, you know, and how do we get around that? Well, you know, do we, Oh, go ahead. Well, go ahead and finish first and then I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up my point. Oh, sure, buddy. Um, so like, do we use positive statements instead of saying like, Hey, that's not true. You know, could you say like, how do you see that as true for you? Or, or do you believe it? Um, how is it helping you right now? And is it, is it something that's caring or kind to yourself? Like taking that to a, a direction of positivity rather than rejection. That's one thing that I had, uh, you know, I had, uh, I've been trying to implement when I believe my kiddos statements are a little bit, you know, internally focused and he's not seeing maybe the people uh, that he's having an exchange with. I don't want to suggest to him just right away, like, you're not seeing that right. Or, or, you know, saying, he's saying, I'm just no good. He's even used the, oh, the tough statement. He said, I'm just too stupid. Um, I don't want to say you're not stupid. I want to first talk to him about that. If he allows for that safe conversation with dad, you know, this yeah. is how I feel. This is why I feel it, man. That's really hard. Sorry. That, that will continue on in a I, bit. No, I would, I would like to hear about where, like maybe where those conversations go or where those feelings come up. Is it, is it because of the consequences of the social interaction that make him feel like that? Or wh where do those come up? You know? Um, but you know, I think that like what, what you said earlier was a really good point about like, it's okay to kind of go back and, and mess it up every once in a while and go back and try to fix it, you know, rather than trying to have it fixed all the time as we're walking through it, because like we are humans, right. And we're going to mess this up and you're not going to be able to like have like a complete open field of emotional security for your kids all the time. Like as much as I want to every second of every day, like I am also a human that needs you know, emotional security and to know that I can have a safe space to like have emotions too. And if I'm just doing, creating that for everybody else on the field, like I'm not going to have any room for my boundaries. Right. So like, you know, it's hard. And sometimes my boundary needs to be a little bit bigger than what I usually take up. Right. To allow for everybody else's emotions. Cause on any given day, I think our boundaries change in this space. Sometimes we need a big emotional boundary and day to get stuff out and, and a, a little bit of forgiveness and love. And sometimes we need a lot of it, you know? And so, you know, it's, we're going to mess up. And I think that, you know, we have to have forgiveness and, and grace. And I think that that's really what emotional security and safety is. It's forgiveness and grace. It's allowing the other person to feel their feelings and not go, well, they're an asshole. You know, they're always a jerk. They're inherently bad because they, they're always throwing fits. They're always, you know, emotional or this and that it's, it's having the patience and forgiveness to be like this. It's okay. You know what? Get it out, you know, cry, kick, scream, but I think that it's also important to rein that in too, you know, to not just let that go on and build and build and build and build until, you know, you've overtaken everybody else's emotional boundaries. Like, I think that, again, you have to kind of let that play out, but also have a patience, the patience to say, you know, well, okay, let's, let's talk about it now. Let's forgive it. Or let's dive deeper into, you know, what Cohen's feeling of why, why is he saying he feels stupid rather than just, you know, I feel stupid. You just got to let him call himself stupid and stupid and stupid and let that build. You got to, you got to pull that in somehow, right? We have to help him define that better, communicate that better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how uh, do we do that? How do you, how do you do that? What do those conversations look like? What tools do you use on those moments? 
Oof. You know, that's a tough one, of course, because when somebody says something so, so hurtful about themselves, you know, that's, that's a place that you don't want to simply say, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm sure you do feel stupid in this moment. Like that's a different form of validation that we want to kind of try and avoid. So how do we do that? You know, like, a, you know, again, back to the, you know, that's not true. Uh, you don't want to simply do that. You want to kind of unpack it with them in the safest way possible. And again, you know, the, back to that idea of, of creating that safe space of time and breathing um, for the two of you or more um, is of utmost importance because that'll save yourself, you know, headaches and, and worse down the line. You know, this isn't something that, you know, you're just needing to get through and get it over with. So then therefore you can move on to the better day. We're not just talking about the day. We're talking about the week, the month, the years ahead. It's it builds up, man. And if you don't allow for it today, who who knows what's going to happen tomorrow and will they trust you? So that emotional security piece is something that happens every day. And honestly, the the more efficient it is, is by giving it time and space and breathing when it's occurring. Um, so the, the boundaries too, you know, you, you bring up the boundaries thing. That's something that I've wrestled with, uh, with just the idea of what does the boundary look like within the family and what does it look like when it's more than just the family? Yeah. Like I can create a script and a, a family plan, but what does that look like when somebody else is, you know, essentially knocking at the door and that changes the whole dynamic, or at least it feels like it does because they're not entering into the family plan that we've created and agreed upon within our family. Now we're, now we're having to either accommodate or, you know, push against somebody else. That's tough. Well, yeah. I mean, my, my problem with the uh, emotional security lately is like, how much do you allow for that? Because there's five of us in our family, right? I mean, there's three kids in here and all of them want the space to be able to express their emotions. And, you know, I'm, you know, with a neurodivergent kid, sometimes the emotions of a neurodivergent kid can take precedence over the other ones. The sometimes loudest one that, in the room? Exactly. The loudest one in the room gets the attention, right? And uh, our neurodivergent kiddos can make a lot of noise when it comes to these emotional moments. So it's, you know, it's kind of like, where do we draw the line and say, well, other siblings need their space too. And, you know, we, we had an incident this, this last week where part of our schedule is we do choice time. So, um, you know, after we, uh, we get to our afternoon part and there's a two hour block where the kids get to pick a special activity. We have like a family adventure book where they get to do like arts and crafts where we all do one big family thing together. Or, you know, it's been a lot of pool visits when Naomi gets to pick because she loves swimming, loves the pool. So it's always, she gets to go to the pool, you know, and, and, uh, so, but it was Aubrey's day to, to pick this day and, uh, and, uh, Naomi didn't want to do what Aubrey wanted to do, you know, um, and she had her choice day just the day before, you know, so it was we were we spent uh, more than half of that that time, JJ, that choice time that was supposed to be Aubrey's day. We spent all that block of time trying to convince Naomi why she needed to be OK with sacrificing that choice time because it wasn't her day. It was siblings. So we had a lot of talks about empathy and sharing and, you know, all of these things, but with trying not to yell, you know, because we're, <laughs> we're in this challenge where we're, we're doing this stuff, trying, you know, trying different methods. So we're trying to like 
be curious and patient and mm-hmm. and find out what's going on with her and, mm-hmm. and dive into this. But, you know, that's the process that doesn't just happen in three minutes, JJ. You know, we, right. we end up half of that choice time. And, and I'm sitting there just like every, watching the seconds tick by just feeling bad for Aubrey. Like she didn't get her date yeah. today. You know, yeah. we took away that whole day is still focused on Naomi the, and no one got what they wanted. We still didn't yeah. go to the pool. We didn't do Naomi's thing, but all the attention mm. was focused on her rather than Aubrey. And it was her day. And I just felt bad. And I was just thinking we were talking about going into this episode. And I think, you know, I, as a parent, you want to create this endless, infinite <laughs> space of emotional security, right? But again, that's not realistic. We're humans in this yeah. real reality situation. And if you're in a family where there's five people who all have needs, how do you create the mm-hmm. boundary? There's a boundary to emotional security in space, right? We, You have to mm-hmm. at one point say, okay, your emotions are sucking the emotions out of somebody else or affecting somebody else, you know, and, and how do you do that in a way that is not one shaming her or embarrassing her, her, you know, or make, or, or making her feel bad for it, but is also in a way that, that can get to resonate with resonate with her. (laughs) (laughs) Refer back to the previous episode, people (laughs) (laughs) to resonate with her, you know, and, and to make her really like think about this the next time, which again can be difficult with neurodivergent kids. You know, empathy is a struggle where we have to really take some time into, to talking about that. And at the end of this, you know, I brought up to my wife, when is the boundary? When do we say Mm. no? When, when do we, you know, say, okay, then you're not coming with, you're sitting here, we're going to go, or there's a consequence or something has to happen for us to pause on this and give Aubrey back her time. And, you know, we just kind of landed on, you know, with a neurodivergent kid, it's going to be a little different. We're Mm -hmm. all going to have to make accommodations Mm -hmm. and, and, and learn, you know, about this. And Aubrey is a part of that too. You know, yeah. Um, and there may be days where we have to maybe focus a little bit more on the neurodivergence because it needs a little bit more attention because it can affect the household so much more and yeah. the, the, the emotional temperature of things. So that does need a little bit more. And unfortunately, that is life, right? And life isn't fair. We can't give everybody a third, a third, a third of all the time. Mm -hmm. At some point, they're going to turn 18 and they're going to get accepted into different colleges and make different salaries and go to different jobs and have different relationships. And life is not going to be fair for them. You know, and again, in a family of five, that's something that we constantly have to have conversations around, you know, in a very delicate way, you know, and not in a way that like maybe our generation of parents did with us of life isn't fair, get used to it, kid, (laughs) you know, but it's also of like, look, this is the way things work and you have to be okay with it. How can I help you be okay with that? Mm. What do you need to communicate with me? And, you know, so that we can talk about this rather than you either internalizing it, shutting down or becoming resentful to the rest of the world because they have things that you don't. Mm. That is really tough, buddy, and I'm I, I'm sure you've 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 felt that frustration and that exhaustion of of those days where it didn't go as planned, and even though you might have expected the possibility, it still it still hurts, and you're still trying to come up with well, okay, what is our next game plan on that? And and uh, I don't know if I have a a beautiful uh you know answer to those days because those days are going to happen. You're right, you know. Sometimes you're gonna 
you're going to go out there and you're going to, you're going to swing a big old fat strike and it's going to, it's going to suck when you strike out uh, because, you know, you expected to hit that home run and be the hero of the game. And the next thing you know, you missed every single pitch and now the team loses or whatever it is. And I think, I think the thing um, that I, that I am curious about, because I honestly have not implemented this well myself. I'll give you an example in a second is how do we create the consequence with our kids? So how do we create an agreement like, okay, if, if this scenario and granted, you know, our kids will find the loopholes, they will find the, the cracks, they will, they will get the water out through the, you know, the, the possible cracks in the, you know, in the plan as much as possible. So they've leaked it all out. And next thing you know, we're wiping up the mess, but how do we give them at least some sort of understanding and power of, of the choice of what this looks like should something happen? You know, the more we can create that uh, that contract dare I dare I suggest with our kids going into a situation the less surprise essentially they should have over the consequence when something goes you know a certain direction and uh, that to me is of utmost importance my example from this last week was I brought the kids out brought a baseball bat and a you know a ball and i was essentially the pitcher and i said you know everybody wants to bat because what happens when you hit that ball and it goes flying oh my gosh that's so awesome so exciting um so kiddo and his cousins we uh i, I said to everybody okay regardless if you hit the ball um each kid gets three swings and then we rotate well i didn't explain the rules well enough you know, my kiddo took three swings and three misses one time. And he said, well, it wasn't fair. I didn't hit the ball. And I said, yeah, but we are just doing the three swings. And then we rotate out. Your chance will come. And, you know, your cousin might throw or might hit it three times or, or might not hit it once. And then we rotate out again. You know, that's just the plan. And and he was protesting, even tossed the bat down as opposed to handing it to the next kid and stuff. And And I was, you know, I felt myself kind of getting a little bit agitated with the situation and how he was trying to basically get a larger piece of the pie. And uh, therefore I was no longer in that state of emotional regulation. I was, I was compromised. And then when he mm -hmm. kept complaining, I said, all right, Cohen, I've explained the rules to you. And now we're just talking about it over and over that we're not making any sort of progress in this conversation. So I want you to sit out. So then he starts crying because he's not playing and he really wants to play. And I, you know, then I'm attending to that. So finally, I just handed the ball over to his cousins and I said, okay, you two, if you can play together, I'm going to go inside with Cohen right now to talk about this. And then I went in and I blathered to him way too long about the situation. Whereas if I would have taken the time to say, you know, hey, kids, here's the here's the layout. Uh, here's what we can expect in the game. Um, you know, do you all think do you all agree that this makes sense? Great. OK, what happens if it doesn't go well? What should we do in that moment? And then the kids, you know, who knows what we would have come up with. But having that prep time, bringing everybody into that and having a greater understanding. Sure, there would have been hiccups along the way. And I know somebody would have complained. But I still believe that because they had the opportunity to come to an agreement outside of just me deciding for them, I think it would have resulted in something as a better outcome. And therefore they all would have felt a little bit more heard and seen in those moments. Yeah. 
You know, I well, I think that you know, uh, you, you mentioned compromising there too, and I think that that's what we do with this emotional security is we sacrifice our own security to accommodate somebody else's <laughs> in these moments, especially when they're our kids, right? Like, you we get caught in these moments where you maybe establish a boundary, and then your kid has a big display of emotion, and you don't want that, right? We want to avoid it, so we start compromising, we start retracting the boundary, we start reneging on you know, the, the things that we set. And I think that it's really important, you know, the scream free challenge that we're, we're doing right now. And some of the things that we're thinking about are really about like, like pre pre preemptively, like you said, before things begin, you have to establish the boundaries. And then we really make sure that the kids know the boundaries. Okay. Repeat them back to me. What did I just say? What are the boundaries here? And what happens if we go over the boundaries? So everybody is an understanding of what happens here. And, you know, I think the next piece of it is when the boundary is crossed is we just have to, you know, live up to what we said we were going to, you know, if the three swings is out, well, unfortunately, kid, you gotta go, you gotta sit it out, you know, and that, and we have to have maybe a, a detached emotion from that too, because again, that we start yeah. getting riled up and we start compromising, which means that maybe we start having an emotional response because we're compromising our emotional security <laughs> to, com to accommodate somebody else's. And then, you know, before you know it, your tone has changed and you're no longer emotionally secure and you're just flying all over the place with, or maybe that can be in the form of too much talking too. You know what I mean? <laughs> when really it's just as simple as this is the boundary. You told me you understood the boundary and now you, you're going to have to, you cross the boundary. So you're going to have to sit with the consequences and the consequences mm. may be how you're feeling in this moment, you know, and, <clears throat> and I'm not saying just go let Cohen cry in the dugout and not say anything to him, you know, but I think it is also important for our kids to have these emotions, right? Like mm. maybe a five minute time of feeling that emotion and what that's right. like. And then once the emotion is kind of fithered out and, you know, diluted a little bit and things calm down and they're more receptive, then we mm. can come back and maybe have those long winded conversations and maybe not so many words, you know, and it could be those conversations can look just as simple as, you know, well, we did talk about what the boundary was before this, right? You, you <laughs> did tell me you understood what it was, right? You did repeat that mm. back to me. I remember that. Okay. So you, I told you, you did this. It resulted in this, you know, and that is tough, mm. but maybe we don't need to say more than that. You know, we, we try to get so much into, and that is tough. And I, you know, when I was your age, I did this and this <laughs> thing happened to me and I felt just like you are now. And I learned this lesson when this thing happened to me. And, yeah, yeah. you know, the thing I'm trying to tell you is this. <laughs> and, you know, before you know it, your kid's like, huh? And he's zoned out he's about <laughs> right. Pokemon and he ain't even engaged into what just happened. He's already thought lost forgotten about those emotions you know and it's us and now we're like oh god how did i drop the ball did i say too much to him i think i made him feel worse is he even thinking about that now and now our day is ruined because we we just went through this whole process you know so i yeah. i think that really like it, it it can be as simple as like establishing reaffirming and then just sitting with the consequences when they play out instead mm. of trying to fix or teach or or learn from, you know, maybe mm -hmm. it can just be mm -hmm. these little chunks, little snippets every time that they happen, maybe we can add a little bit more to that conversation, 
You know, maybe maybe then the, the second time that this happens, it doesn't just end with, well, you I told you this was going to happen. You did this. So that happened. Maybe it can go more into, you know, once you do finish that conversation of, well, I told you this was happened and then this happened, that happened. We can add another piece of that conversation and circle back to remember that happened last week when we did that baseball game with this. And, you know, well, here we are again. You know, then maybe that conversation goes, well, what did we learn? You know, what did (laughs) what how do you feel different from that last time to this time? You know, maybe Mm -hmm. how do you maybe the third conversation that we had is how do you want to do it different next time? And as we go through these experiences and we get these biofeedbacks and social feedbacks from all these interactions, maybe we can our kids, we can help our kids understand it a little bit more and more and more each time that we do that. But it is going to happen more and more and more. And it's not going to be a one-time conversation. And the thing that I'm learning about parenting is I'm just going to have to have patience for my kid to fail 300 times. And maybe on 301, (laughs) they might finally understand what I've been trying to tell them this whole time. Well, and that's, I I really love that and appreciate that, buddy. I just want to say, you know, that's, that's one of the brilliant things about being a human being and and learning and growing is that mistakes are going to happen. And, you know, the way you have that conversation with your kiddo, it's going to it's going to change how they respond in the future to something like that, you know, because failures and failures inevitable and failure, of course, when we when we hear the word fail, we I think too often we think it's it's an all or nothing game. And, uh, you know, if I failed, then then I'm, I'm bad. I'm, you know, no good. And then we leave it at that and we put that, you know, put that judgment on ourselves, which really hurts. And sometimes unintentionally, the parent leads the kid to that end. So example, I'm, I'm, uh, helping Cohen, uh, learn how to ride his bike without training wheels finally. And, um, when he was, <laughs> when we were out in the, uh, in the parking lot trying to get going, I was running, you know, pushing the seat and stuff. And, and he was looking down at the pedal or looking down at the pedals in the, in the, in the bar, you know, the steering. And, uh, and I said, well, got to look up too, buddy. Got to look up, you know, because obviously if he's not looking up, who knows what he's going to run into. But the, how do you have that? How do you have that in the moment? What do you say? Do you say, look up or you're going to crash? Or do you say something that's encouraging? Hey, look up, buddy. Ha, good job. Awesome. Great job. And then like you said as well, is like, what did you, what did you learn from that? What, uh, what were some things that you, uh, that you uh, saw in that, that, uh, that excited you? giving them the opportunity to really kind of process the stuff rather than telling them this is what you get this is what you this is what you uh are going to get if you do this i'm threat i'm preemptively threatening you by suggesting your action is going to result in failure no let's say mistakes happen along the way hey cool well awesome sounds like you got an opportunity to understand a little bit more about the process well can you tell me about that so I really appreciate that because that's that's a big component that I think too many parents do when we're insecure in our own selves that we uh, put that on our kids. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it was in that book, uh, Scream Free Parenting, too, you know, uh, that that just uh, that negotiation, that compromise, you know, is mm. also like a form of like that power control dynamic. It's like, you know, he calls all these like power dynamics, scream parenting, you know. Um, but mm-hmm, they're not mm-hmm. all, they don't, they, that, that doesn't necessarily mean you're screaming all the time, right? Like screen parenting could also mean this compromise where your kid is, you know, ah, big emotions. And you say, oh, fine. Just, just have the thing, just go away. You know, that is like a uh, submission to that power dynamic. Right. And you're ultimately like teaching your kid, like 
scream, you know, a scream communication that, well, if I just act big, I get my way, you know, I get mm-hmm. the thing that I want if I can just overpower other people with a bigger emotion, you know, so we're still just kind of teaching them that scream dynamic, even when we're just yeah. rolling over and submitting in these moments, you know, and again, I think it really goes back to what we're saying when we do that as parents, it's because we've just, oh, I've lost all control. I don't know what to do. So just, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm so exhausted. So this is better than yelling. So I'm just going to compromise and sacrifice my space and my security and, and my needs, you know, which will ultimately lead to more screen parenting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll set yourself up for the next moment, not setting yourself up for the, the, the coping and the regulation. It'll set yourself up for your kid and you to have another power, power dynamic struggle, um, for sure. Um, I wanted to touch on a couple of things that we we've talked about along the way here. And, uh, cause I believe at least through my experience of growing up and kind of the, the real, dare I suggest the thing that I believe I needed most and, and, and didn't receive a lot of the time, um, that would have helped a lot in my emotional security within myself and within, you know, the relationship with my parents and, ultimately what's going to help, what's going to help, uh, that trust building with, with my son. So uh, validation and empathy, I think are just honestly of utmost importance in a relationship. I believe they're, you know, especially validation, it's the foundation of trust. I mean, what does it do? It suggests to your child, your feelings are important to me. You know, you're, you're actually saying, yes, I, I, I believe what you're saying is true. Um, we don't have to agree on the details, but agreeing on the feeling that's brought in front of us is is so valid or so, so important to validate. And without that, I think our kids are going to, you know, they're going to start to 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 hesitate and withhold some of their emotions. And they're also going to question themselves more. So just, as, you know, how do you practice that? Sometimes just as simple as saying like that makes sense will be validation. You know, you don't have to go further on if you're still trying to formulate, you know, your response. If there's a response that's needed in the moment, just simply saying that makes sense is a way to validate someone. You know, um, we can also validate a difficult emotion while also suggesting many actions are not okay, and we can we can set boundaries while we're validating. So, you know, if if you know, you say, "Hey, you're angry," and I totally, you know, I get that. That makes sense. I understand you're angry. It's still not okay to take the action of hitting somebody else in that moment. Um, but every, anytime you have that expression of how you're feeling, that's okay. I get it. You know, you're, you're allowing your emotion to be heard and you're saying, I feel this in this moment and that hurts or that's tough. That's of utmost importance. Our children are much more likely to tell us, say, Hey, I'm feeling frustrated in this moment. And then, you know, let's say they're teenagers and I was really frustrated in this moment and I'm angry at this person for that. Like, They'll bring that to you while things become even more complex in their relationships because you validated them from an early stage rather than saying like, oh, no, you're not seeing that right. Oh, oh, they're so out of control. They're crying. Clearly, they don't have a control over their emotions. Well, if we say that, then we're basically saying, I don't trust your Mm. feelings. Your feelings don't make sense. You're out of control. What's wrong with you? And that's just that's just a, a relationship trust killer. And then we don't want to go there with our kiddos. And, you know, empathy. Empathy is kind of similar, but it also suggests the feeling that one is having. Uh, we can feel that as well. It's not an attempt at solving anything as much as it's an attempt to say, I hear you. That must be very tough. I, I, I can only imagine just how hurt 
you are right now. Like showing that empathy and saying, you know, those emotions, I felt those too, man, man, I'm so sorry. And not saying, I'm so sorry, here's what you need to do. <laughs> but allowing our children's to, children to be themselves while also working towards safety for themselves and others, that really gets that, you know, that emotional security and maturity uh, moving, you know, just just giving that. You're, you're, you're honestly just building emotional um intelligence in your kids by simply saying very few words, but acknowledging and validating. It's more powerful for somebody to hear, you know, that must be really hard for you than to hear, no, you're not, you're not really like that at all. I know you're stronger than this. Um, so because by providing a place of understanding and empathy, we open up the possibilities to self-soothing, soothing and strength. It might seem counterintuitive at times, but if we try to step outside of ourselves and think how we might feel in those moments, we realize empathy and validation help far more than rejection of our feelings and the, dare I say, you know, air quotes, suggestion that we're better than we currently think and feel. Mm. Man, I really like that. I think that that's probably, uh, I would I would say validation is probably, if I had to boil it down to one word, I think that that's probably uh, would be people's most useful tool while while trying to uh, navigate this topic um because man do we uh spiral real quick and get caught up in the well yeah because or yeah but you know we just want to explain ourselves and we really want to throw our why into the ring and why we're validated by our response or by our actions that we completely dismiss the other persons right we just want to defend ourselves so quickly that we often forget that validation piece. And if we could really just pause uh, and validate before responding, I'm not saying you shouldn't respond because I think that both parties feelings and wants are just as important. I think that we get caught up in the, how we express them. And sometimes that can be toxic or harmful to relationships and, and, and to kids and parenting in the way that how we express it and the emotions that build up during that. But I feel that, you know, we both have valuable points of view to iterate here. Uh, but the more that we forget to validate, the more that we want to be self-defensive and, and reactive rather than like patient and responding. So I think that like, if you could just learn that one trick, in communicating with your kids and your wife, uh, even in these high emotion moments, you know, of just let's validate. And yes, I have a reason why I did that, but her reason why she made me do that is also just as important, you know? And I think that we really have to get on board with that. I've got a, uh, I've got another example. Um, this last week we were <clears throat> visiting family and, uh, and the, the uh, mini golfing was uh, was brought up as a as an activity that the kids could do with grandma and grandpa. And uh, Cohen has never been mini golfing. Certainly has never been golfing. Um, so he he doesn't he doesn't know the rules and kind of like the etiquette of play in mini golf. You know, it's not just storm through to get to the hole. But generally, the idea is you know you hit the ball, the next person hits the ball. Then after everybody's hit, whoever's furthest from the pin hits again. Um, so he was kicking some ass. I mean, he was like getting close to the hole in his first couple shots and everybody else was like, Oh, hit the wall again. Guess I'm going back further than the yeah. starting point here. Oh, hit, Oh, hit the wall again. I'm not even, uh, wait, we're on three. Why am I on five then? 
you know, so, so Cohen was doing really well, but what did that do? That, that resulted in him having to wait for everybody to hit. And then some of the times they would hit from further out into the hole. And then he was the last one or close to the last to hit it in. And he was so upset because not only did he not to get to hit the ball as much, but he got to hit his in last. So he was expressing himself very animated and, and frustrated. And then what happens? The adults don't take turns in trying to talk and listen. It was like, oh, no, 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 this. No, no, no. No, actually, because of this, you got to hit last. No, no. So they were rejecting what he was saying, and they were not acknowledging or validating his emotional state. And they were going straight to, this is what it is. This is why you shouldn't be feeling that way. Even if they didn't have to word it that way, that was how it was you know, presented to him. So what we, of course, needed to do, like we talked about earlier, is first suggesting or not suggesting telling the rules of play and how the score works typically and of course we didn't give a rat's ass how the score was going really but uh you know then going into it and then when cohen was feeling those big emotions say first you know even though we're adults and we're like yeah it's mini golf wow it's just mini golf kid like no we don't go there instead we say man it does that does sound really hard i'm sure it's confusing and difficult and that's frustrating and can be maddening at times, buddy. I'm so sorry. Here's how the game, you know, typically operates. Again, maybe not in the moment should we talk about the gameplay, but still, you know, actually giving him that, you know, empowerment, that voice to say, yeah, you you do feel those feelings and I totally understand your feelings. Or at least I can, I can understand why you'd feel that way. Uh, yeah. We didn't do that. We jumped straight to the, here's why you shouldn't be feeling this way. Here's how it works. Yeah. Um, classic example of how things can go wrong if we just don't put that emotional security in place or like what you said earlier how we just want to bulldoze through these uncomfortable situations you know you see somebody especially in a group of you know peers or whatever when you're out with people and someone starts having an emotional moment like that you're oh god debbie downer they're ruining the day <laughs> they should just go home we we're all we all came in to have a good time we paid money to be here and you know you have all these <laughs> subconscious and, and conscious thoughts that roll through your head of judgments and preconceived things, you know, mm. and uh, yeah, it can derail it, man. But, you know, instead of, again, moving through it, especially with our kiddos, we, if we can just validate and take the time to just sit in that for a minute and, you know, let the family, let the, let the couple in their twenties on their first date behind us as they're rolling eyes and want to <laughs> play through, let them just fucking do that and play through All man. Right. And, and, uh, you know, have our moment and, and show up for our kiddos. And, uh, you know, before we go, I, uh, have to apologize to our listeners. You know, last time me and you talked, uh, you told me the story about Cohen at the park and, or at the pool with your neighbor and it didn't go well. And I got all fired up and started throwing out cuss, <laughs> cuss bombs all left and right. And I was, uh, you know, that's, that's my display of anger. I feel like if I could, if I could just like roll out a whole bunch of like Yosemite mm. Sam cuss words, I'll feel better. You know, and it never mm. does. It usually makes things worse. But as soon as we hit, uh, you know, stopped hitting record on that episode, my wife goes, baby, <laughs> um, I think you really need to, like, pay attention to your curse words. Uh, this is supposed to be a family show and you got you got pretty worked up there. So, <laughs> oh, buddy, I'll, I'll say this much, you know, um, talking about emotional security and supporting our kids and stuff. Uh, uh, your, your words and response really resonated with me, <laughs> resonated, <laughs> but you know what, what 
I'll just put it out there for you and for the listeners. Like, hey, man, I, I honor you in that and I appreciate it. I know the cuss words can come out, but the, the a big component of emotional security is support. And you felt that need to support and to defend the situation from the, you know, because of the people you care, care about and love. Um, so I really, I really felt the love, uh, even unconditionally in that moment. Um, and I really want to honor you in that. Um, so it, it meant a lot. It, it, it did, it did give me the emotional security that you and I have in our relationship. And, and it, it did, it did really, uh, hit home well for me. And I felt, uh, I felt cared for and, and, uh, and, you know, protected in that moment. So, uh, yeah, sometimes cuss words are used for good, even when they're used a little bit more frequently than we intend. <laughs> well, I'm trying to get better and, uh, and, and do some like replacement therapy with my, with my mm. communication. So I'm trying to use funk instead of the F word. So uh, <laughs> I was just funk and pissed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funk and peeved. But, yeah. Uh, I'm glad we did this today, man. I think that there was some some good talks here, and uh, yeah, you know, um, this is this is an easy thing when when emotions are flying, and I know that mm. we've both been both been living through it this summer. Um, but you know, I'm I'm glad that we got together and talked about this. I think there's some some gold here, and I think that we're doing good work. You know, uh, doing what we're doing, even with all the the hiccups, mistakes, and and hurdles <laughs> that we that we bulldoze through. So. Oh man, I I, I am going to kind of round out this whole thing and and just you know remind everybody too that uh, you know th there's there's rarely ever a point where it's too late to work on things and to to build up that emotional security and trust and you know honestly sometimes with our little ones a hug is more powerful than words. Obviously, words and actions are are what build the trust. And uh, so if our children are no longer want to hug because of what we've said, we need to return to, you know, working through that and really listening and, and validating. And, and once we get to that point where we've, we've done the validation piece enough and they feel comfortable with us and then they're hurting and sad, you know, when, especially when they're little, man, sometimes that hug is enough to say, this is my protector. This is my safe space. I know this because they tell me so. And now I get this beautiful moment of embrace after everything you know watch an episode of what a, a full house where the the music always comes up in the end and they solve the problem in under 22 minutes and life is grand again you know it doesn't look just like that it looks a little bit more messy a little a few more f-bombs in the middle of it all who knows um but when we practice that opportunity to come at the end of all that together to really listen to the other person to give them that space we breathe we breathe we've we've acknowledged our part in it and we've acknowledged their part in it and we can validate each other that's when that's when the music comes up and then you get the you get the the rolling of the credits we've done a good job and it doesn't have to be pretty throughout the whole thing in fact that's where the mistakes thing happens in us adults sometimes too but man we have some amazing power to come back around and get that hug for our kids, the thing that they really need, that hug and validation. Um, it, it's it's something that people, I want to tell you, you know, I've heard people say recently, like, I'm, I probably created trauma in my kid. I've heard this, like, they throw up these, you know, really self-destructive statements about themselves and how they showed up for their kids. Well, you know what, you can still continue to show up. You've obviously done an effort to to try and do better the next time around by simply acknowledging the things that you've made mistakes of. Don't tell yourself that you're you're an absolute failure and there's nothing you can do. There's a lot that you can still do. 
Yeah, that's right, guys. Don't uh, don't bulldoze through those mistakes like we've been talking about here. You know, take your time with it and uh, and and learn a thing or two and and really feel the emotions that go along with that because uh, there's some gold there. You know, and, and JJ and I can help you do that. You know, that's what we do with the dad coaching stuff. So if you guys are interested in that stuff, you can uh, reach out to us on the website at the ADHDads.com. Uh, you can put in your email there and we can get you some some uh, some information on the coaching that we do. And right now, my my family and I are, are beta testing this 28 uh, day uh, no yell challenge. But, you know, I'm, I'm developing something uh, for you guys to put on the website soon. So, you know, be looking forward to that. And, and hopefully by the summer here, uh, JJ and I will have some some curriculum up for you guys and, and how we uh, plan to coach and and what what our journey and curriculum looks like. Um, but if you guys are kind of interested that interested in that now and don't want to wait for that gold, uh, you can hit us up on the website and we can start the process early and give you some more information around that. But there's some really exciting things to come uh, in the next couple of months here as we get our butts in gear and mm-hmm. and really solidify some some stuff to actually have you guys print out and and take home and implement in your family and, uh, you know, understand what what our kind of coaching style and and the goods that we would give you look like a little bit better. Um, so I will put, uh, you know, our book recommendations up in the show notes as usual. And uh, I will continue to update you guys on on my journey in this beta testing phase. And uh, we'll, we'll give you guys little snippets as we go on. But I know that I appreciated this conversation and I hope you guys did too. And if you do, if you did reach out and uh, please share that with us, we, we, we always love to hear from you. Um, so thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm your host, CJ. I'm JJ. And this is the ADH Dads.